How great is your love? How great, how great, how great is your love for us? How great, how great, how great is your love? Oh, how great, how great, how great is your love? How great, how great, how great is your love? How great is your love? How great, how great, how great is your love for us? How great is our God? Sing with me, how great. Ah, God, oh, see how great, how great is our God. Sing again. How great is our God. Sing with me.
troubles that we have, we know you can be with us. God, in these hard moments, we know you are there. And that's why we sing how great you are, because we know we can overcome. No matter what, we can lean on you, because we know how great you are. If I were to ask you, how are you doing today? What would your answer be? Would you give me the typical answer of, I'm fine? Or, or would you say, uh, I'm doing better now, but yesterday was a complete disaster? Or would you say that you're making the most of a difficult situation? Or would you say that you're having the time of your life, that being an introvert, you've been preparing for this whole COVID-19 thing? all your life? Or would you say that your soul is feeling heavy and uh, because of the uncertainty of tomorrow and it's making you a bit anxious? How are you doing today? I can truly say that I've never experienced anything like this in my entire life. I've uh, heard stories of pandemics. I've seen movies on pandemics. I've read books that have mentioned pandemics in relation to the end of the world, but this is the first time that I've ever actually lived through one. And without a doubt, the coronavirus has caused a lot of concern and worry on a global level. People are losing their jobs, they're losing their homes, they're, they're even losing their minds over this. People are dying alone in hospitals. People are, uh, are in isolation and, and are lonely there. And, and they're panicked and they're scared and they're fearful of the uncertainty that lies ahead. In our rural area of Manitoba, we haven't experienced many, if any cases, testing positive with the coronavirus. So it's hard not to feel a bit anxious or maybe even agitated by all the preventative safety measures in place. Another thing that can cause us to be anxious during this time is all the information that's going around. Plandemic versus pandemic. Uh, is there a dark-sided agenda behind the whole COVID-19? Video screaming conspiracy uh, that are being posted on social media with the tagline, read this before it gets taken down. And really, what is all is this doing? It's causing mass hysteria. Is there a conspiracy? I don't know. Is, there, is this the beginning of a new world order? I don't know. Is this pandemic really as bad as, as what's being reported in the news or everywhere else? I don't know. And the question marks that get hung out there only feed more and more anxiety. So what do we do when we just can't take it anymore? 
We've been carrying uh, more than we can handle and, and we just can't take on any more. Enough's enough. I believe that we can trust uh, God and who stands outside uh, space and time and trust the words that have brought uh, his people comfort for centuries and centuries throughout all generations. Scripture, the words found within this book, the Bible, have stood the test of time and I believe they will do so again. Today, I want to begin a four-week journey on the topic of being anxious. And to start this journey, we'll talk about when you just can't take it anymore. That's, that's the title of the, today's message, when you just can't take it anymore. So if that's where you are today, you feel like you just can't take it anymore, you're at your limit, uh, the pressure is too much, and you're feeling anxious, I want to share four verses from Scripture that I believe, well, that will actually be uh, the anthem uh, for this series over the next four weeks. And it's found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. And it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote these words uh, in the first century, it was during a time when it wasn't popular to be a follower of Jesus, uh, to be a Christian. At the time that he wrote these words, Paul was actually, in fact, sitting in a prison cell in Rome, believe it or not. He had intended on going to Rome to preach the good news about Jesus, but instead he's in chains he, and, and he's under the 24-hour watch of a prison guard. And it wasn't like Paul was awaiting trial in hopes of being released. No, Paul was on death row. He was awaiting execution. Imagine waking up each morning wondering if it would be your last. I think that there would be enough to make anybody a bit anxious. Yet Paul writes these words, do not be anxious about anything. Another Bible translation words it this way, it says, don't worry about anything. And is that really possible? Can, can we really get to a place and space in our lives where we aren't anxious about anything? I want to steer your attention to an Old Testament, the Old Testament section of the Bible. There's a true story there that, uh, that's found within those, those pages uh, of a guy who loved God with all his heart and all his soul and all his mind. He trusted God with his very life and he did some pretty incredible things for God. In fact, God would use this man to be his mouthpiece, his voice to the people. In the Old Testament, we called a guy like that a, a prophet. And the role of prophet was to redirect people away from their sin and back to obedience to God. They would give warnings of what would happen if they continued in their disobedience. And the testimony of a prophet would be tested by accurately foretelling uh, future events. Uh, a prophet would also prophesy about future hope. Like what the prophet Isaiah did when he foretold about the coming of Jesus approximately 700 years before it actually happened. Uh, 
The man that I want to focus on today uh, is that his name is Elijah, the prophet Elijah. Now, Elijah firsthand witnessed faithfulness, the faithfulness, the power, and the provision of God. Elijah was God's man. God used him to confront the evil king Ahab. Uh, through Elijah, God sent judgment upon King Ahab and his kingdom by causing a drought that would last three years. Imagine three years without any rain. Ahab was furious. And, of, uh, and, and so what he did is he came after Elijah with the full force of his army. Elijah was on the run for those three years because of it. And, but because God was faithful, God used ravens to feed Elijah bread and meat. Elijah, uh, through the power of God, was able to feed a widow and her son. Then when her son became ill and died, Elijah, through the power of God, was able to raise him back to life. But the story about Elijah that absolutely stands out, uh, far, out far outweighs the, uh, all of those stories about him, was when he was on uh, Mount Carmel and there was a showdown between him, just Elijah, and 450 prophets of Baal. The showdown was to prove which God was actually the one real true God. And, and how they were going to settle this was the prophets of Baal would set up a burnt sacrifice to their God and Elijah would do the same to his God. But here's the trick. They would, they would put the, the, the bull on this altar and everything. But here's the test and this is what would happen is that they would, uh, the prophets of Baal would pray to their God and Elijah would pray to his God and, and the one true God, the real God would be the one who sent the fire. This is a fascinating story, and it's found in 1 Kings, chapter, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning at verse 16. You, you'll want to go back and, and read it uh, for yourself this week. Uh, we don't have the time uh, or space this morning to, to really get into that story and tell you all the details, but I'm just going to fast forward to the finish, right? Give me the spoiler ending. Elijah's God wins. He wins. Yay for happy endings. But the story doesn't end there. You see, though Ahab was a very evil man, he was nothing compared to his wife Jezebel. Jezebel was the epitome of evil. She made Ahab look like a saint when in comparison. In fact, it was her, not Ahab, that had slaughtered many of the Lord's prophets. Uh, Elijah's God, it, they, she slaughtered those prophets of God. So you can imagine her outrage when she hears about Elijah executing her 450 uh, prophets on Mount Carmel. And Elijah has become now enemy number one in her books. He is now the focal point of her rage and anger. And her response uh, to what Elijah has done to her prophets is actually found in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse and this is what it says. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, that if, uh, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. She's referring to that, uh, that she's going she's gonna to kill Elijah. In the very next verse, uh, 
I love what Elijah does here. Oh, you're going to love this. He, he, he fires back and he says, bring it on. Bring it on. Your prophets were just practice for me. The Lord and I, we've got something very special planned for you. You want a piece of me? Come get me. Compared to the God I serve, you're nothing. Okay, so maybe it didn't happen quite like that. Well, let's, let's see what happened. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? He's running. He's hightailing it out of there. See, Elijah is completely and utterly, he just kind of falls apart here. He just came off this tremendous victory, and, and he's got nothing left in the tank. You would think that he would be riding a high and, and high on, on a momentum here and a high uh, 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 adrenaline rush, but emotionally and spiritually, his levy is just dry. And now we see him spiral into a deep depression and anxiety. After uh, an emotionally charged uh, victory, any one of us, did you know that any one of us is vulnerable for attack? Maybe you've experienced that. You've experienced something just great and it's awesome. It was an emotional victory and then boom, something comes and blindsides you. And, and, and for Elijah here, all his fight was gone. And I want to point out just kind of three mistakes that I believe Elijah makes um, and, and when he just couldn't take it anymore. Let's, let's go back to, to the scripture here uh, in verse 3. It, it, it says this, When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant. Uh, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a, boom, a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Maybe that's you today. Maybe something happened to you this week. And, and on its own, it maybe wasn't really big or really serious, but it was the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. And, and now you're in the dumps. You're, 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 it could have been something that maybe uh, someone said to you on social media. Because let's face it, right now we're all social distancing and, and social media has become our major outlet uh, for social interaction. But, but, or maybe it was just that you didn't get enough uh, likes on the gram and it's got you down. You, or maybe you're on the gram and, and you're seeing how everybody else's life is looking fantastic and amazing and wondering why your life isn't like that. Or maybe you posted something on your wall and somebody took offense to it and they're all up in your grill all about it. Or maybe your uh, sibling that you're uh, isolating with right now is just getting under your skin and, he, and you've just, you just can't handle them any longer. It, it, it's done. You're done. Or it could be that you've been making meals and cleaning up after your family and there's not a lot of help nor a lot of gratitude going around and you just can't take it any more. Uh, maybe uh, you were playing uh, phase 10 with your family and everyone's completing the phases but not you, not you. And, and the one round that you're just about, you just need one more card to lay down, somebody else ends the round and now you've had it. You're, you're several phases behind everybody else and now you're done. The inner Hulk is coming out and you just can't take it anymore. 
a true story, by the way. I'm a pretty competitive person uh, when it comes to games and, and stuff like that. And the game that night just was not going my way. It's the little things, aren't they? It's the little things that can cause us to fall apart, especially when we've got nothing left in our emotional and spiritual tank. Very quickly, here's the three mistakes I believe that Elijah makes. Number one, he runs away. Running away from her problems never solves anything. And then number two, he isolates himself, right? Anybody who, who could be around him that would pour encouragement and, and, and speak into his life, he, he just pushes them away and he isolates himself. And then number three, he focuses on his problem instead of focusing on God. Did you know what Elijah name actually means? Did you know that in Hebrew, uh, uh, the Hebrew people, uh, names weren't accidentally picked or of no coincidence. Uh, they were actually intentionally picked. And Elijah's name, get this, Elijah's name in Hebrew means this, my God is Yahweh. And what does this name Yahweh mean? I am not I was, or I will be, or I could be, or should be, but I am. This name, Yahweh, is how God wanted to be known throughout all generations. We first hear the use of this name to describe God in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when Moses is preparing to go back to Egypt uh, to deliver God's people from 400 plus years of captivity. And he's having a little dispute with God, asking him to send somebody else. Why? Because of his insecurity and his, and his anxiety is, is building up and coming to the surface. He, he's believing like, Hey, listen, I'm a nobody, God, and nobody's going to believe me. And, 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 and he's like, God, like, why, why should I go? And, and, and so God tells him, he says, well, say, say this, Moses, tell them that I am has sent you. I am has sent you. That name, I am, or Yahweh is so sacred among the Jewish people. Even devout Jews today will not even use that name for fear of and, and because of reverence for that name. And, and listen, they would rather use other names for God like Jehovah or, or Elohim. So think about this for just a moment. Elijah's name means my God is Yahweh. But somehow in the midst of this anxious moment in his life, he's forgotten who God is and how powerful he is. Yahweh is the beginning and the end and the God of all that's in between that. So here Elijah uh, has run away from his problem. He has isolated himself from others and now he's depressed and suicidal. He's saying to the Lord, Lord, I've had enough. I've had enough. Just take my life from me. Listen to what happens next in, uh, in verse 5. It says, Then he lay down under the brush and fell asleep. What do you do when you're completely stressed and depressed and, and you're taxed to the max and you just can't handle it anymore? Do you retreat to your bed and crawl beneath the blanket and go to sleep? 
See, rest is sometimes what we seek. It's an escape for us. And, and, and rest, we want rest for our body and we want rest for our mind and rest for our soul. I want to show you three things with our time remaining that I believe that God wants to give us when we just can't take it anymore. Number one, God gives rest. God gives rest. In verse, uh, in verse 5, it goes on to say, All at once an angel uh, touched, uh, touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and, uh, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, and he touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Did you know that studies have shown that an estimated 65 to 90% of adult patients with major depression and about 90% of children with the same disorder experience some kind of sleep problem? Most patients with depression have insomnia, but one in five, did you hear that? One in five suffer from obstructive sleep apnea. Did you know that? Incredible. First thing that Elijah needed was rest. And he had just come off a great victory and was physically, emotionally, and spiritually depleted. He had nothing left in his tank and he had nothing left to give. He was all out of fight. People who are on the brink of burnout will use such terminology like this. I'm just so tired. I'm so tired. I, I, I'm worn out. I, I'm weary. And what does God allow Elijah to do? To rest to rest. When Elijah just can't take it anymore, God gives him rest. Number two, God gives nourishment. God gives Elijah food and drink. He rejuvenates and revitalizes and, and builds up Elijah's strength by giving him the nourishment that he needs and requires. I wonder if that's why some of us eat when we're stressed, right? Be, anybody out there an emotional eater, a stress eater? Maybe the, co or the 19 in COVID really represents the extra pounds you've acquired since it all began. Did you know that serotonin is a, a neurotransmitter that helps regulate sleep and appetite, mediate, uh, mediate moods, and inhabits pain, or inhibits pain. Since about 95% of uh, your serotonin is produced in your gastrointestinal tract, your gastrointestinal tract is lined with 100 million nerve cells or neurons, it makes sense that the inner workings of your digestive system don't just help you digest food, but it also is a guide for your emotions. Incredible how the body works. Elijah required both rest and nourishment in order to build up his strength and uh, uh, again so that he could be prepared for what God would give next. And this is the thing that God gives next. And number three, God gives assurance of his presence. God gives assurance 
of his presence. Let's continue on in, uh, in verse 9. It goes on to say, And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and, and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. God met Elijah, he, God met Elijah in his need. And I believe that there's somebody listening today needs to hear this because it's going to speak directly to the situation you're going through. Right now, you may be feeling like you're in the midst of a windstorm or, or an earthquake or, or a firestorm, and it feels like everything around you is coming down and is shattering before you. And you're wondering, where are you, God, in this moment? Where are, why are you allowing this to happen? Where are you in all of this? Now, I want you to try and visualize this for just a moment. God, Yahweh, the great I am, with his arm around you, is whispering in your ear, and he says this, I'm right here. I'm right here. Can you see it? Chaos is all around you, and and God is beside you, reassuring you, comforting you, not casting judgment on you for your lack of faith, but holding you, sustaining you, and, and whispering gently into your ear, I'm right here. I really believe somebody needs to hear that today. Don't allow the distractions around you to miss out on the God who's beside you. Oh, that's some good preaching right there. You know what? I'm preaching way better than your amen and right now. Let me just say that again, just to get some response. And you can amen wherever you are at right now. If you're listening in your living room or kitchen or dining room, if you're in your pajamas or whatever. Listen, don't allow the distractions around you to miss out on the God who's beside you. Let me say it one more time. Don't allow the distractions around you to miss out on the God who's beside you. Oh, man. I, I, that just brings fire to my soul, and I pray it does to your, you as well. See, God, the God who wants to give you rest, nourishment, and assurance, he wants to assure you of his presence. And, and, it's, and he's not in some galaxy far, far away. He's right beside you, and he's whispering in your ear, no matter how hard the wind blows, no matter how, the, how much the earth quakes, or, or no, no matter how hot that fire gets, I am with you. I am with you. God knows what you need and when you need it. When you just can't take it anymore, remember God is beside you whispering, I am 
right here. I want to show you something before we close. The, the thing that Elijah feared, that thing that was, he was all worried about, that thing that caused him anxiety and, and, uh, and, and all this and, and caused him just to, just to completely come undone. Did you know that it never actually happened to him? See, he was fearing a death threat from this evil queen. And he never ends up dying. Did you know that, that in fact, how, how this all comes about is in, is in 2 Kings chapter 2. God actually sends a chariot for him. A chariot to escort him into heaven. So what, what Elijah, I mean, this is so profound, what Elijah was so caught up with, so anxious about, never actually ever happened. But guess what had ended up happening? Queen Jezebel, in 2 Kings chapter 9, Jezebel is the one who ends up dying. Interesting. Interesting, right? The very one who threatened Elijah, pushing him to his limit. The one who was, uh, who, uh, was, was, was causing all these death threats and, that, and, 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 and uttered the words, may the gods deal with me ever so severely if you're not dead by this time tomorrow. Well, the gods did deal with her severely. Actually, the God of all gods dealt with her severely and he ended her life. And it was, quite, it was quite vicious, and it was quite cruel, and it was quite graphic what happened to her. But she's the one that ends up dying, not Elijah. So let me bring this around. When you just can't take it anymore, let God take care of it. Let God be the one to remove it. Because chances are, you might be getting all worked up and anxious for nothing. For nothing. Again, I want to read those words that Paul encourages us with in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. And he says this, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, uh, with giving thanks, present your request to God. And the, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message. And God, I just really know that in such a time as this, there are people that are, that are anxious. They're anxious. Lord, whatever they're anxious for today, I pray that you would meet them where they're at. That you would meet them where they're at. Father, whatever the need is, whatever the obstacle is, whatever has caused them to completely just come undone, God, I pray that you would whisper in their ear. Whisper in their ear and say, I'm right here. I'm right here. God, that you're walking with us step for step. Lord, I, I just I think of these words. I, I, I really believe in this, that, that faith is grown in the dirt of doubt. Faith is grown in the dirt of doubt. And so, Lord, I pray. I pray 
whoever needs this today, that they will receive it. Lord, if, they, if, if for some reason they haven't been following you, but today they're going to make that decision. God, I pray that they would utter these words to you. God, I need you. And that you would come into their life. And you would bring them this peace that transcends all understanding. That Lord God, that, you would, that they would allow you to write the script for their life. I thank you for this. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen.